You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharePDAX. Also powered by Podmachine. The simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. The question wasn't, is this possible? The question was, how do we make this easy? How do we make someone else do this? And I think that is such a much easier question to deal with. And it's a hard question, but like, it's definitely easier than, is this possible? Because is this possible feels hopeless. And you got to get past the hopeless. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to this episode of the Hustler Podcast. We are going international today. So if you're a Filipino, I'm sorry, you're going to have to sit your ass back. Because today, again, if you've been hearing the podcast, I've been playing this mid-roll for a couple of weeks now when you when you hear this because we found this amazing tool um called narrator.ai and again today we will have the man himself the founder but before i get carried away so let's welcome to the show mr ahmed el samadisi of narrator.ai 
Oh man. Hi everyone. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, we, we we hype it up like we're in an NBA game <laughs> every single time. But, you gotta raise the stakes every podcast, you know. Yo, you gotta start. You got you gotta beam it up all the time. So that's what it is. But again, I'm a big fan of what you guys do, and thank you for helping us out in Podcast Network Asia. Now we understand our users really, really well, really, really well, and we don't have to second yet. But before I get carried away again, I need to ask you the million dollar question, Ahmed. What's your hustle? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting because um, I've seen your podcast before and hearing this hustle question. I feel like I come from a very different perspective because I didn't want to be a founder, nor did I want to uh, like really make money. Uh, I actually came from the idea of like, uh, like I think my hustle like was driven from anger. Like I was just like angry. <laughs> Like really, really angry at the world, okay. And being like, "This is so annoying. Everyone is so miserable. How is this the status quo? Wow. And how are people making like those dollars by making me and my team miserable?" So I think my hustle always initiated from the desire to really be less angry about the situation, and that's kind of what got us to where we are. I did not know that you were the Hulk. That you are always angry inside. <laughs> yeah. Just don't get your blood spilled out and then put it on your cousin. Just that's how She-Hulk technically originated. But again, I'd like to delve into that uh, and really understand the origin of the the anger that eventually you turned out well and harnessed to 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 build amazing things and amazing products in your career. But I need you first to buckle up because we're gonna yeah. have to ride the hustle share time machine. <laughs> Right. We will go to the origin story of that anger. But before I get carried away, so a lot of the Asian American um, uh, founders that I've had here always say that the upbringing or the culture of where they originated, your parents originated from, has an impactful, you know, um, or indelible mark onto how they're brought up and how was that? What, what, what was the origin story of you growing up and how did you get in? You know, uh, if you didn't want to be an entrepreneur, was tech the first love? Is is that something that you you delved into? What was growing up like? Um, yeah. So two things. I think that I grew up in Egypt. Wow. And there's this like different ideas. I think when you grow up international than when you grow up in the U.S., where like everything is kind of a lot more malleable. Like you're just used to making things work. So uh, growing up, like. There's a lot of like, you know, you come from a strict religious country. There's lots of rules. There's also like lots of bargaining and lots of open-ended things. And you can really make anything you want happen. Yep. So when we came to America, it was like, like, ah, everything you could possibly want. <laughs> like in one place, like there was just an infinite number of education. Like, right. so I think that like that desire of like this, like not having stuff to having access to a lot of stuff. And especially when I went to college and like, and we had like million dollar labs and I could just like be like, oh, I'm interested in nanotech for a day. I'm going to go like play with a laser or like wow. robots or anything that you can do. Mm-hmm. That really, really always excited me. And that was um, just constantly made me want to learn more and do more and learn more and do more. And I think that was the like start. The second thing is there is this like second nature, which is like 
I got this like kind of mentality that also happened. Mm-hmm. Like I remember a freshman year of college, I applied to this lab and the, the, because I was like, oh, this is a self-driving car. I'm going to be like, I want to make a self-driving car. That'd be awesome. Wow. And there were like requirements, like masters, if you're master students with experience in this, 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 like mm-hmm. knows these sensors, knows how to build these algorithms. And I was like, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got it. And they're like, what? And I was like, yeah, no, no, I've done this thing. Let's start. So they, they would go to the interview and I get the job. I like, I get the opportunity to go in the lab and they're like, you're a freshman and you've never coded. And I'm like, yeah, how hard could it be? Like, and I think that's a very immigrant mentality to be like, yeah, I'm going to come to this country. Don't know the language. I'll figure it out. How hard could it be? Like, and I think that's so much of my life has started from like that, like level of like, We'll just do it. We'll just do it. We don't need proper training. We don't need to look at the right. requirements. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. And I think immigrants have just always been really incredible at being so willing to put themselves in situations where like, like egos aside and just like believe in blood, sweat and tears will get us there. Like Absolutely. that's what my parents said. That's what I think most parents do. Just like, mm-hmm. let's power through it. Absolutely. The old school American dream that, you know, you come here for a lot of opportunity and then you just hustle for it. And, you know, whatever your dream is, get it done but when did it become real like you know because again you're probably naive or you're probably just again very eager to to try these things out but you've built an amazing career uh in technology but you I mean you're just you know volunteering to to be um to participate in all these classes and all these programs right when did you realize that hey this shit's for me well so much 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 later in my life Wow. Like, I think that, like, so to give you an idea, I was like super excited as a kid, like a college kid, like really overly excited about everything. Like, I was maxing out my credit every semester. I was like <laughs> trying to get, I was doing like MBA courses that I thought were cool. And the teacher would be like, you know, you're not going to get graded because you don't have the prerequisites. And I'm like, I don't care. I'll just sit in and listen and learn. And I would do wow. the homework and he'll be like, you're, you're, you're not getting any credit. Why are you doing this? Just like, I was like, I find this cool. So like, I ended up like a lot of like petitioning, getting me things. So when I like my biggest project, I think to put me on the map in like the data sphere was I tend to play this game. And then again, it was like initially out of like excitement. Okay. I mean, you see excitement and anger are two sides of my life, <laughs> but it was, um, I was in college and I was like, you know, that'd be cool. Like 20 questions is a really cool game. Mm. And I was interested in robotics, interacting with humans. And I was like, what if the robot played a game of 20 questions with everyone on campus or as many people as they can and try to do this like search experiment. So the robot is looking for something. He doesn't know what it is or where it is, but like there's all these faulty sensors and he can kind of, he might miss it, but he can figure it out. And humans sometimes know, but also sometimes they lie. Like Mm -hmm. they don't know. So (laughs) how do you play a game of 20 questions with the world where robot has to come up with what to ask, what to ask, and people can lie. And so that was like an, like the initial idea of like, that'd be cool. So I ended up of building that and going through it and doing like some of the math. And I ended up like getting picked up by Business Insider as like, um, like the robot that can tell lies. And then people were like, it got really big deal. It became like, like one of the most impressive Cornell students. And then it like escalated a little bit. Right. And that was just like a cool project. And then I think toward the end of like my, like, I was like, cool, college is good at what I want to do with my life. And like, I had, I ended up working for missile defense for the U S government. And then I did AI for missile defense there. And 
I was so unqualified for the job that I decided to get the same to get a job in the same building. And then I was like, I'm gonna sneak into this department. And like long story short, I ended up like convincing them to like make me the youngest person by oh, I think it was like 12 years. Like I was the next person older than me, 12 years older and had a PhD to work on like missile defense algorithms, which only 12 people in the US do it. Aren't for, like, all those classified nukes. even the, the fact that you're actually talking about it now? Aren't, yeah. Aren't you gonna yeah, be, well, like, you can talk about what you do, but like not about what it does. So like right. it's like really cool, but like I did that and I was like, that'll be really awesome. Like that'll be really cool. And then when I when I went to the startup world, I like realized that I'm like, wait, like I'm giving you two highlights, but I have like a, I was very lucky to have so many different highlights. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wait, I'm good at this thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I think everyone deep down feels like kind of an imposter because you're kind of like, you know, you're always like hacking your way through it. You're like, I guess I can figure this thing out. Like, oh, that worked out. Cool. Like, like, like you we we t- we look back at the story and we say like we had like 20 wins. But there was like a thousand losses in like exactly. each day. So like, so I think for me, that's kind of why I ended up getting to where I am. It's just like I was like, wow, that is so like unique. And then I joined WeWork from like a different. Like I just started started trying to build a dancing robot, and then mm-hmm. I wanted to build like exoskeletons to help you dance because that was what I was excited <laughs> by at that time. And then ended up at WeWork, and then built out their team, and then like then it was like okay like i am a really good individual contributor and i'm also really good at like like i understand the problem really well and then that's kind of where like narrative came out which is like this really deep understanding and even then i was still like not like let's go found a company i actually initially like went to go work for like i was like i'm gonna go to every big company and see if they solve this problem and go work for them and then i was like well you haven't then i was like i'm gonna go look for any startup and solve this problem (laughs) so i can go work for them and then I was like, no one is doing this. Why is no one solving this problem? This seems like the biggest problem in the world. And then, uh, and then I ended up like building narrators. So like it really, nothing was like really clear. Like I see the thing. It was just like, come on. I was trying to get any way to avoid doing this. And I ended up being like, well, this is the only path. Wow. No, and that's, that's true because a lot of the startup founders, again, majority of the time we would love to use somebody else's product if it was already built. But for us, if if you were trying to stretch this itch that, again, for some reason, it's not a perfect fit, you end up just creating it yourself, right? Uh, like for me, when when we, when, this is my third startup now. My first startup was a nightlife app. I was just trying to get on the guest list, but there wasn't any person that uh, helped me, hooked me up to, to get on the guest list of all these clubs. Yeah. <laughs> I created an app that gets people on the list, right? And now second startup was a chatbot company because I hated replying to people. Um, especially if they're repetitive, stupid questions, like you know, screw it, I'm gonna create a chatbot company. <laughs> you, you ask my bot, it will never get tired of talking to you. And yeah. that got acquired. And last one is podcasts. Uh, so we created Podcast Network Asia, and again, same thing. Nobody was doing anything to to really amp up or, or scale up the podcast in Southeast Asia. It's like you know what, I'm gonna step up. But I wanna. Dive, dive deep into some of the things we, you did before um, doing narrator because we work, you were the hacker of WeWork uh, very early on, right? But this is WeWork pre SoftBank, pre, pre every, you know, pre the craziness that happened after. But what was the culture like? Because that's, you guys did amazing things there, especially at the core. I, I believe that uh, the, 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 the vision was really right. Of course, things went awry, but you guys did amazing thing. What was it like in 2012 with, back in WeWork was just starting up? 
Yeah. So we work. So I, uh, Adam interviewed me. Wow. And Adam had the same exact personality that he has today, where he told me that we were going to be a trillion dollar company yep. and it's going to change. And he, and he said the same thing and he would like really get at you. And he'll be like, go, you came from an office. What did it look like? What did it feel like? Like, did it feel like death? And I was like, yes, it did feel like that. And he's like, do you like, like being here in this space where there's light and music and happiness and like people and energy, and there's a feeling that you're going to get. And they always talked about this feeling you get when you enter a WeWork space. And there was a feeling like, I think if you've ever been to WeWork, like early on, like you entered and everyone was friends and you were friends with everyone. Like, I think you, WeWork was such like, like a cult in like the world where your best friends and all your friends were at WeWork yep. and you hung out with everyone at WeWork and you just did everything with WeWork people. So early on, like the goal, like the problems we were facing were like really weird. Like we had to, to figure out like how to like understand how many people are drinking beer. And like, like that was the first project I worked on was like, wow. how do you regulate beer taps? And like, and like, and then we had to like manage our space and there's always new problems where people don't realize when you're trying to like, take something physical and make it virtual, but also manage like the world's most complicated move in, move out system ever created <laughs> where you can literally sell anything and people are moving in and changing and buying. And we're like coming up with new ideas. Wow. So it was really, 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 really just a different, like a different dynamic teams were small, but loyal to each other. And we was always like that. Honestly, as you got, as we got bigger, like it felt like the family was still tight. There was people who were part of the family and you were like really close. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I've always had this like, kind of like let's figure this out mentality like we'll just blood sweat and tears it mm -hmm. and let's create something that people like like all these like cliche like phrases that we hear like we really really did believe it we really believed that people were like making a life and not a living and like we really did believe that things are better together and we wanted to create that environment where people wanted to hang out and be and like your people around you or people you enjoyed yep and I think that was so different, especially coming from like Raytheon, which is like military mm -hmm. to like that. Like uh, these things are so different in the dynamics. And I think it was really, really, really inspiring for a lot of people and loved it. And to be fair, like I loved WeWork till the day I left. Like I thought it was a great company. I thought it did an incredible job. Like I liked Adam, like I there's a lot of stuff that like, I think went awry, which people in the media have amplified. Yeah. Like some things are definitely not good, but some things are like, if you Google, like how Google did it, like it's the same exact shit. Like, so did Uber. Like, I think it's so interesting when you see these kind of startups, like people like shame the founders and you're like, no, no, this person did create something. We were opening it like 12 buildings a month right. or like 15 buildings a month. Mm. Like you're talking about buildings. Like there's huge capex. They're like, well, you're not profitable. I'm like, neither was Amazon. Like, 20, 30 years after going in, either was Google, like none of these, this is like not how startups work. And I think when you compare startups to like the world of non-startups, people are like, wow, this seems crazy. But when you compare it to like other startups that have done well, you're like, this is very, very, very not that weird. Right. There's definitely some weird stuff in there, but like there was a lot of the stuff that was amplified, I thought was so much of like an uninformed audience right. yelling at things. And again, this is, it's cancel culture. At the end of the day, right? Like, oh, yeah, let's let's pile on to this guy because everybody's trying to do it, right? But at the end of the day, as the founder, unfortunately, and now you understand this, the buck stops with you. You have to go down with the ship. But I want to uh, ask you one last question before we take our first break. What were the indelible things that we were taught you? 
um, that you bring with you today. Because again, if you you loved it, you were a key part of the team. Again, you you bought you bought into the cult uh, per se, right? And some if if it, and if it was great, though there are things that you take with you forever. What were those? Yeah, I think that your mission matters a lot. Like having people that believe in what you do is so important. Like you don't stop ever selling the dream. Yeah. Um, you so I think that one is really critical. I always say work with your friends. Mm, wow. Okay. Um, like, like really like you, my whole entire team is really close to me. Like they're all like, we've been friends for like 10, 15 years. Like that's kind of the people that are around me. Mm. Um, and then remember that your role is like, you are an employee as a person, not just the role. Mm. And that's a big one. You'll see like our most, so my boss's boss that we work, who was the VP of engineering at we work. Yeah. He came and worked for narrator. Wow. And like he before this he was doing like 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 in narrator like his this the, he has the most wealth of engineer experience that anyone has has in the company he's probably the most senior engineer and then i was like we're like we need blogs and i was like cedric go figure out how to write blogs I'm like we need to write more content <laughs> and like today we just had a small layoff uh like a small person that we'd like go of a person not a layoff it's just one person we'd like go of and um he used to run our customer success team and we're like we need customer success and i was like cedric you're now in charge of customer success and I'm like, go figure out how to like support our customers and like what customer success needs to do. And it's like really interesting to see people like that versatile. And we see that a lot. We hire a lot of engineers and they end up doing stuff that's not engineering because like that's the everyone that we work had that like a lot of people just like grew into their role. And I think that was really beautiful to see. That is amazing. All right. That leads, let's take our first break. And when we come back, we will now talk about the story behind narrator. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. 
Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sashchallenge.ph. That's sashchallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still with Ahmed of Narrator again. Told us how he was forged to to work on again robotics, AI, and of course working with WeWork. But eventually, he will eventually take the jump. And you know, um, that's what we want to know from this point on. What well, you were you were part of WeWork, and most most of the time, people that really stay, um, be, either they become lifers or or they try it. Or as an as, a, as an alum, and they become a founder themselves. What was the turning point for you? Um, because you said you were angry, right? You were the Hulk inside, and you wanted that yeah. angry, <laughs> that a- anger technically yeah. had to chat be channeled into a product and something amazing like narrator. But yeah. walk me through this. So I had a data team, a pretty large data team, for five people, and people were asking questions, and we were answering a lot of questions, but it was still taking a while. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out like why like we still struggle to answer every question somebody has. Mm. And we had like, we had bought Looker, Tableau, Power BI, Wave Analytics, and um, some other BI, I don't remember. And we had like our, in, in our middle layer, we had built, we had like used Luigi, which was Spotify's. And then we're like, fuck you Spotify. We're going to use Airflow, which was Airbnb's middle layer. And then we were like, we're going to use DBT. And then we built our own version because we're like, okay, and then we had like Redshift and Snowflake. So we like used all the data tools. Right. Like literally, if you say name a data tool, I have bought it. And every time, and like I built a standard stack in data, like what we people call the modern data stack today, yep. um, like 10 times. Like if five chain is now worth $2 billion, Ooh. I was early on their first customer and knew them when they were MATLAB in the clouds, so like wow. really early. So we worked really tirelessly in like trying to figure out like why does it happen? And I realized two things. Mm. One, was that data is incredibly, there's like something in data known as data modeling, which is like when you take data and structure it into the table format that you need to answer questions. That one has within that problem, there's a sub sub tiny problem where in today's age, we have many, many data systems yep. and they actually don't connect in any easy way. Yes. So there's always this like insane process of how do I connect my Salesforce to my marketing and email to my web and web to my, these things never connect. Yep. And there's nothing you can do in the engineering side to do it. It's a data problem. And you always hack at it with SQL. Yep. So that was the first problem I knew. Wow. The second problem I knew was like people were really bad at asking questions because people would submit these impossible questions to ask. <laughs> None of their questions made sense. So as a data person, I had to figure out how do I take this meaningless question and try to figure out what the real question is. What were those type, and types of questions? I, uh, I'm just curious. Like, like, like here's they always sound good, right? So like, <laughs> for example, here's here, like here's an example. You have a podcast, right? Yep. And um, you launch a new episode, right. and you're like, "What time is it?" Uh, like, I, and let's say people like, yeah, people see the episode and then like they click on it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, "What time should I launch the episode? What's the best time to launch the episode to maximize people clicking on it?" For example, right. or to maximize people like if it's like a class signing up mm-hmm. or something buying, and and you're like, you're like, "Well, that's just not what you want. Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you want, but it's not what you want because." What time you launch a cl- the 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 podcast doesn't it, it's not related to the user. Right. 
Like what you actually want is when the user first sees the podcast, when is the best time for the user to first see the podcast? And how does that affect them buying? Because that could be driven by the email that they receive. That can be driven by like every, you you launch it at 5 a.m., but everyone wakes up at 9 a.m. And then everyone sees it at 9 a.m. And you're like, wow, we should launch it at 5 a.m. It's like, no, nobody saw it until 9 a.m. So these little tiny twists of questions, it sounds correct, but there is like, it goes from like, I launch a class at 5 p.m., how many people sign up? That is a very bad analysis and it'll give you the wrong decision right. versus understanding that customer behavior of viewing a class to then signing up. That question takes like three to four weeks to answer. The second <laughs> one, the first question, easy to <laughs> like takes a day or two, but we'll give you the wrong answer. Correct. So I started a program called Data Cult and it was really initiated to be a cult. I took my entire team and I said, you're taking two weeks to learn how to ask and answer questions because you have not learned. And we did a whole like two weeks, like kind of like, bootcamp like style where it was just a lot about like what is a problem how do we how do we know something matters how do we know what's important and this program later on became like i think we did it like three more rounds and like the executives joined it was like a huge production wow. a couple another company spun out of narrator that just does the, like spun out of WeWork work that just does uh data cult so like wow it was a really good like people like really learning how to ask and answer questions and then i realized that when people ask good questions like i mentioned to you it's even harder to answer good questions than shitty questions. Mm. <laughs> like the reason why people ask shitty questions is not because they, we actually train them to ask shitty questions because we'll answer their shitty questions in like a week, <laughs> but their good questions are like so complicated. They'll take us like months and months where they're never going to do them. Got it. So I was like, okay, fuck this shit. Like why I bought all these tools. I'm angry. This doesn't work. What do I do? So I went and I talked to uh, Airbnb. I talked to Netflix, talked to Google, talked to Facebook. And I was like, how are you guys solving this problem? And they're like, what problem? And I'm like, well, this data modeling issue to constantly build your data models. And they're like, that's the job. Like, that's not a problem. That's literally the job of a data engineer. Like, <laughs> like, what are you saying is the problem? They're like, it's like you telling me that, like, how do you keep writing software? It's like, we, our job is to write software. Like, your job is to model data so we can use it. Right. Like, that is the nature. And I'm like, well, everyone has to model data differently. Like, everyone does it differently. And they're like, yeah, but that's why you have data dictionaries. So you can explain to people what's in the models. And that's why you have all these tools to review the models. And I'm like, well, these seems like we're like managing the problem. We're not solving it. We have all these things to help us make sure it doesn't explode. But like, how do we solve it? Wow. And I was like, this is really shitty. Yeah. So I was like, I have an idea. And I said, what if I standardize all of data? That was like the initial idea. The idea of narrator was like, and this is like today we're, I think in a couple of months, we're probably going to release the first version of this actual like final, like the first pitch deck I ever built. Well, what if we standardize all of data into a standard model? Okay. Today in narrator, this is the activity schema. So a standard 11 column data model that every company can use to answer any question so that no one thinks about data modeling anymore. We just give a standard model that can answer everything. And the idea was you would like have this like Amazon of insights. You would search for like CAC and it would be like, here's like an analysis built by Ahmed. Here's an analysis built by McKenzie. Here's a CAC analysis built by this. And you would click run and it would say, what activity, like what building block should we use for your web data? And you're like, this one, what should I do for my conversion? This one. And it generates an entire analysis in story format. So if you're using Narrator, I think we have the beta for a lot of our customers. They have access to this like template library. We've released many templates in there and you can see it. So that was like the goal. Mm. And I was like, that's the case. And everyone literally was like, are you insane? <laughs> and I was like, why? That sounds great. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds great. So you're going to, you have to solve the problem of standardizing data and figuring out how to make analyses work across companies without sharing data. Like mm-hmm. you're trying to make someone's intelligence, someone who doesn't write code, 
write an analysis that can be reused by another company that's not code. Like literally people build products on CAC because you have to write it as code so you can reuse it. Yeah. And you want a data person who writes who does analysis once to be able to make that work he did. Like somehow you're going to capture his brain, <laughs> put it in a computer and then make it usable on someone else. going to happen. And then two, every company is a unique data model. Every company is not like unique, like sales and our, we, uh, we work, we have 800 to 900 data models and most companies have as many as that. Oof. So like you're going to take all that and you're going to make it into one 11 column table. Like, I don't know what you're thinking. Right. And I was like, well, how did you convince yeah, like, them? If we don't say it, like, uh, how did you build that out? Because again, uh, it sounds insane, but most of these, this is where great products and that change the world technically do it. Most we, we all get called that insane at one point. But how did you then, if that was a dream, right? And most yeah. people would say, the hell are you talking? What the hell are you on? What are you smoking? Right? How did you prove them yeah. wrong? Oh, well, that's okay. So, we're going to get to that in a second oh, wow. because that journey is five years, wow. <laughs> it's like four years, or three years, to be honest, three years, three years mm-hmm. to get to like um, a working to prove that the thing works because I didn't know how it was going to work. Mm-hmm. That was the dilemma. The dilemma was I had an idea of why it could possibly work. And I knew the problem so well that I knew that exactly where it is, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to solve it. Wow. Like I knew the problem in like data is joining two tables together. And I'm like, that join doesn't exist 90% of the times. And that join takes like months to figure out how do I stitch data together and zero risky. And I knew that in theory, there is this thing like human language. We can talk to each other and I can tell you about what I did. And like, I did that question with the podcast and I said, like, viewed the podcast and like clicked and ordered and like it makes sense but you don't know what my data model looks like and no one knows what your data model looks like so there is this universal language that we can use that like naturally works Mm -hmm. so it must exist that like there must be a way to do this but i didn't know how and that was the problem and when i actually went to raise money i was like well i need money to like start building this because there's no way we're going to build it like i'm not going to bootstrap it like i don't know how to do this like this is going to take a while so I was like, I need to figure out how to build this out. And WeWork actually initially wanted to build it as a product line within WeWorks. Adam was like, I'll find you. I'll give you engineers. I'll give you everything. Just build it as a side thing. You'll have full control, your company. It'll just be under the WeWork umbrella. Okay. And I was like, WeWork is going to be like a $100 billion company. And I don't want to get to a billion dollars and then be like, fuck yeah. And then it's worth 1% of WeWork. Right. That would just feel so, so crushing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go do this on my own, Adam. Yeah. And uh, he was like, okay, go ahead. Like you have my support. We got you. So I was like, cool. Nice. So I went and I was like trying to find, like I went and raised money. And I remember like going around with this pitch that was like, I'm going to like do this thing. And people like legit laughed me out of one time, some investor, which one day when I'm successful, I'll be like, hope he watches it. Like when I'm like much bigger, Mm -hmm. Um, because he was like, you have nothing. He's like, he's like, he's like, you have an idea of solving an impossible problem. Sure. I want to solve teleportation. You think you're going to raise money on teleportation? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but like, let me tell you how I think it could work. And then he was like, I do, you have nothing. Like, I'm not going to invest in you. But eventually one of my friends and like former WeWork person had known me and he was like, I know your work. And he's like, this idea seems crazy. Like, but I believe in you and I'm going to invest in you. Wow. And I was like, cool. So he invested some money and we started and so it's kind of different when you have, there's two kinds of companies. There's like, I have a problem that I know the engineering, it just needs implementation. Right. And there's I have a problem that I don't know what the solution is. So I would like to, I, I like to call, I call this often, it's known as like research or like 
Uh, and then there's like business model innovation where you're like right. applying to technology to something that hasn't been automated or technology. Mm. And there's like, I have no idea. So we're <laughs> in the uh, innovation <laughs> category where like, like I, it was so funny. Like I wish, I wish you understood. Like, so we realized that what we're going to do is we're going to start as consultants. So we'll, we'll get customers as a consultant okay. and we'll like use this, like we'll like structure the single table. And then I will by force try to figure out how to make the single table answer questions. Wow. And like if by blood and tear, I'm going to figure out how to like answer questions. And that was really tough. And we started, started building some UI to make it easier for me because using this single table is really hard. Mm-hmm. And this UI was like impossible. Like it would take like hours to answer a question. Like in a UI, like you had like a thousand buttons, like literally not usable. It was like a yeah. hundred, looked like an airline dashboard. <laughs> so I could answer like people would click this and bought this. Wow. It was really, gibberish. really hard. A bunch and of gibberish that you don't know how to. A bunch of just absolute insanity. Right. And we went for like the emotional ups and downs of like just not getting it to work. Because right. like a lot of companies cheat when they do this problem, like Amplitude and Heap and any CDP, mm-hmm. like any tool that if you're familiar with CDPs, like Heap makes panel. Yep, yep. They do two things to make their stuff work really easily. Which is? One, they give you aggregated plots. They give you funnels right away. They never show you the underlying table data. And the reason why they can give you funnels is because what they do is their user base. They just count unique users who did this and count unique users who did this, and then they divide them to make it look like a funnel. So everything is based on users. That's so cheating, like in their <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, because if someone does something more than once, or like you have a funnel yeah. that people go twice, or people do things weirdly, like all their stuff doesn't really work. Correct. The second thing they do that's really interesting is they never tell you exactly what they're showing you. There's no way for you to figure out what wow. like it sounds like you know what they're giving you like this is a very common thing in a lot of data tools like app, like ad word every ad company is in, incredible like t- saying words that you think you know what they mean yep but you don't actually know what they mean so they'll say like <laughs> conversion rate to booking a form right and it sounds like what you think it means but it's not mm. like ad words would say like oh like somebody clicked and you're like a click sounds like a web visit right yeah. they visit yeah. the site they click to go to the site that's like 20% of clicks don't even make it to a visit. Correct. Like they use words, they use all these specific words and they'll say first touch attribution. And you're like, oh, that means when someone first, they definitely saw the ad first, clicked on it, and then mm-hmm. they got attributed because that was the first thing they came to. That's not what that means. And when you go down the black hole of trying to figure out what these things actually mean, you get into proprietary algorithm, proprietary algorithm, proprietary algorithm, so proprietary computation. All of a sudden, you don't know what's in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, and there's a lot of good reasons why, because to get to something that's like actually building the raw data and transparent that can do the real things, mm. really fucking hard problem. That's why people have amplitude and still go and build their warehouse and build queries and write thousand lines because it never actually gives you the, what you really need. Right. So we're like, we need to deliver the quality of the work as if someone did it by hand and it has to be as accurate and reliable and transparent, but it has to be as seamless as like an amplitude experience. Wow. So long story short, uh, went two year, a year without a single customer struggling figuring this out then um like had to like we we had we ran out almost ran out of money so we, we got rid of half the team what? and we were four people left and then we dropped our salary to thirty five thousand dollars of minimum wage so we can maintain our health insurance and <laughs> oh like we're like we're like we're like this company's about to die in like a couple of months mm-hmm. like we're just gonna go to ic and see what we can do like maybe like but we're we're nearly dead. Like we're just going to die. Yeah. So like you're talking about this journey of like every, and as we talk a lot about founders, cause like with that anger 
like has to be like for me like like when things get really hard like you you go from making a lot of money at we work and lots of equity and lots of shares to no money like a company worth nothing trying to build it working way more hours way more exhausted your team looks at you and you're like letting them down but you have this belief that this is like the way your world should be yeah but like the world is really really telling you that it shouldn't be wow. <laughs> like the world is like we will beat you no customer wants to buy this yeah. we will destroy you we will like everybody right. like the amount of people who are like why are you building this like why you're you guys can do so much more you're such a good team like why are you wasting your time like doing like and i'm like because when it's solved the world changes in a really cool way in data then People don't have to think about their data modeling anymore, which gets rid of like so much of my team's pain. You're able to reuse everyone's work, which mm. we don't do in data. Like in, imagine software without open source like components like React. Yeah. Like you would everyone be building HTML from scratch. Like you would never get anything done. Yeah. Like people only work well when they can build on top of each other's work. And data has never been like that. Yeah. The only thing you can do is people have built like initial templates and like really haven't got to any analysis mm. and everyone just redoes it. So that was the it was really, really gruesome. We were like, we're going to die. Everyone was like, in, it was every single day. There was lots of fights between me, teams, investors, advisors being like, just change your idea, change your idea. It's worthless. Wow. And I was like, it's like, it's about to work. And you're like, you've been saying that for two and a half years. Like, this is not a short amount of time for you to be like, trying to get this thing off the ground. Like, it doesn't, like, nobody wants it. Yeah. And by then we had just figured out a way to get it to like, work all right but a couple of things before and, you 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 started making it work i just want to understand the psyche here because this is called the trough of sorrow where everything just fails mm-hmm. and you know every single or valley it's different from each founder and most founders also don't make it past the stage right because it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's either the worst part is when you listen to that external vo- or that 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 crowds you know thing to say hey you're not going to make it change your idea do whatever and when your voice says that yeah maybe it's time but you know the founders that make it out are the ones that actually you know are able to dig deep and plow through just talk to me about how you how you were able to deflect all of those was it the anger or was it what was the motivation to get out because you knew you, you knew there was a dream but a lot of people didn't see that dream until of course you were able to prove them all wrong yeah so i think the inner there's the inner talk there's your team my team was like we're done this is not gonna work we should change this is not working on it and i was like no um there was the external world Mm -hmm. like stop it like and you would get comments that were really tough like they'll be like you think you're smarter than everyone else in the world like everyone else in the world does it one way you just think you're smarter than everyone else in the world like why you're such you have such an ego that's not letting you like make this work like you know this is never gonna work Mm -hmm. so I think for me, there was two things that always kind of like kept me going. And this is like, I'm speaking backwards, but there was a lot of like anger and saving myself and saying like, so just like, do I just give up on this? Like I can make, I can just live such a better life right now. This is so <laughs> painful. Like, why am I doing this? This is so stupid. And there was a bunch of things that kept me going. One, I saw something that I didn't think people saw. Yeah. Like in my head, it was very clear, but I couldn't communicate it. And I knew I couldn't communicate it. Um, and actually a side thing, like after that, my, the first person who's been working with, who joined me, um, like who became a co-founder, like after three years now, he like looks at me, like after, toward the end of this whole story. Mm -hmm. And he says to me, he goes, Ahmed, I finally understand what narrator is. 
And I was like, yes. But like, that's the level that like, people, everyone had an idea, but no one really got it, got it because I couldn't communicate it. Cause there was a thing that was like Abstract. a lot of like yep. thinking, but I did have a couple of people in the data community who really, 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 really were like friends of mine. The person, the biggest person now runs our data team, yep. uh, Brittany. And she would always like be like, but like, this is like the future. Like once this is solved, all data changes, like this is the biggest thing. And I was constantly reminded that like, the reason why data sucks is because everyone gets to the state and the world beats them. I once talked to another head of data of another company and he said, like, you're going to, he's like, he's like, yeah, everyone starts like, go find how many companies started with the same vision and mission that you had and see how many of them are alive today. The world will beat you to become this thing that you don't want to be, which is be another BI tool that sucks. Like stop trying to innovate, just build what everyone has. Yeah. And that was really, really tough because I kept reminding myself that like, and I ended up committing to myself that like money will finish. Like I will keep trying until literally I'm out of money. And I told the team and I sat down everyone and I said, look, there's a couple hundred thousand dollars left in the bank that gives us some time. We're going to keep doing this until the last dollar is gone. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And after that, we can build something else. We can work together. We can do something. But like to me, I started this company with this mission. This is what we're going to do until the last dollar. I don't mind losing. Like, I don't mind like having the company run out of money and die. I don't care. Like, but I do care about not giving, not changing the idea. I'm not trying to save a company. I'm trying to save this specific company. And we can build another hundred companies together and build something else later. But this company with this money, its entire goal is to solve this specific problem. And what I need us to figure out how we can maximize likelihood that we will succeed right now in this problem with the last bit of dollars we have left that and that was the is the key and we did (laughs) (laughs) that's great and that's what i want to uh dive into but we need to take our last break first and when we come back let's talk about the breakthrough how you're able to then figure it out and how you're then able to scale the team and all these amazing things that you finally figure it out and prove them to the world. I was blown away. And I'll tell you also how we were blown away of how you guys did it. But let's talk about that more. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. 
Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. Third break. And we're back in the break. We are still with Ahmed of Narayan Narrator. And again, tell us that was such an amazing, I, I was trying to hold my jaw this whole time because again, I, I, I pride myself as someone who never gives up, but I don't think I can do what you just did because there are, there are times where, you know what, fuck it. I'm just, I'm going to just, all right, I'm going to listen. I, I'll cave in, but this is just amazing grit and belief that you did. But before we, uh, you know, talk about how you were able to then scale this, what was the turning point? What was that? Holy shit. This is it. Uh, moment. Yeah. So there's like a bunch of small turning points, but we had gotten the product to a place where we can begin to see it working. Like we had like, we had come up with a framework that made sense that was able to actually answer any question. That's what narrative does. We're able to answer any question, but it was so hard to explain, teach, do, and get users. 
So what we decided to do was I said, well, let me prove to you that like, and this was like with my team too. I was like, let's sell, let's go back to selling consultants and let's sell an offer that somebody can't resist. I will offer as many people for me, Ahmed, mm. a very skilled data person to answer any of their questions on Slack with a one day SLA wow. like for them. Like they will literally Slack me messages. I have enough experience translating that question and I will return an answer within one day and let's sell that. And as long as they let me set up narrator on every single company, I do this for right. Like I'm going to only use narrator to answer my question. It's a tr- clumsy tool. There's lots of bugs, it's an issue. There's like something's confusing. It's very different, but I will do it. And that was the breakthrough. I think what happened when you started doing that okay. is one, we started getting a lot of practice in answering any question with narrator. Two, we got a lot of good examples. Nice. Three, customers were really happy. So we had some loyal customers. Four, consulting is very high revenue. So you get a lot of money. Yep. It was really just like everyone started kind of getting the energy back. Nice. And like when we went to go raise money, we would just sit people next to me and I would say, look, I, would, I, was, I, was like, I was like, now we can raise money. Let's go raise some money. And we had a lot of offers. It was like really like awesome time right now because people were like really excited. And I would say, stay next to me. And I would say, you've worked in data or you've asked data questions. I'm about to show you something that you have never been able to see. And I just I started this doing this demo. And if you've ever seen my work, like you will see, I've done this demo many times. Yep. I call it the Ask Me Anything demo. I'm like, sit next to me and literally... I'm going to allow you to ask me as many number of questions as you can come up with. And I'm going to live answer any question you have in front of you. You can ask me a question, I'll live answer it. And I've done this demo for customers and for bigger companies. When we closed PBS, I sat with the executive team uh, and I said, give me all your questions now. And I'm going to show you in like the next 20 minutes, I'm going to answer five or six questions. That's the power of our tool. That's so amazing. people were like, whoa, they didn't fully. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, now you see the speed. Now here's two things you should know. Any company that we can use uses the exact same data model. Like I can switch between company A and company B and company C and answer their questions without ever wondering what the fuck their company does or anything about them. Like I didn't need to know anything. I can just like use the standard layer of answering questions and just go through it. And I was like, eventually I'm going to have this whole thing, these answers be templated so I can just run a template. That took like three more years, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) Like, so, so I think for me, it was, once I started showing that I could do it yeah, with like, and I had definitely way more patience than a user because like our product was hideous and confusing and impossible to use and so nasty. Like that was the turning point which, where people started saying, okay, 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 okay. This wasn't no longer a theory of Ahmed's head. He's showing that he can support 10 customers and answer questions while being a CEO and building the product in the back end. Like there's something there that the speed increase that he's getting is so insane. That like these questions, I can live see like this is like I hire someone and I tell them yep. to ask that question and they go off for weeks and they come back to me. <laughs> and like, and again, it's definitely I'm an expert in our tool. Like I'm like such a like core power user. Mm-hmm. We are slowly getting more and more people like you to get to that level. But like it's absolutely like kind of like that was a so I, I guess that was that was a turning point. Just watching people watching me do it, realize that it could be done, and it was no longer like. It was the, the question wasn't, is this possible? The question was, how do we make this easy? How do we make someone else do this? Right. And I think that is such a much easier question to deal with. And it's still a hard question, but like, it's definitely easier than, is this possible? Because it is possible, it feels hopeless. And you got to yeah. get past the hopeless. Yeah. Like, how do we get someone to do it? You're just always making progress. Absolutely. And again, we were, I'm, I'm a living testament. We are a living testament to this. So again, I found out about Raider. Uh, with you guys, with with Gary Tan of YC, right? I was watching one mm-hmm. of them dogs talks about like you know, and we I was searching for a tool 
to really make sense of all this data that we have from the podcasting ecosystem. Because at the end of the day, we, we, we're in a business where we need to understand how our audience consumes our content. And the more we understand that, the better content we're able to churn out, the better retention and the bigger the audience can be. But again, it's so expensive and it's so difficult to build that out. And then just looking at the road ahead of what standard BI tools were like, like, fuck, this is not going to take us anywhere. And then I found you guys through the Gary Tan blog and then I showed it to my CTO and she is the most nonchalant person you'll ever meet and that I probably know. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll check it out. And then I booked her a call with you guys. I didn't even go. And then after the call, she was like, Ron, you need to get me. This. So I was like, okay, calm down. Calm down, Tiger. But again, she told me that within 15 minutes, a whole two to three years work of what we would ever do was done in 15 minutes. She was blown away. And that's why we're here. And that's why I'm recommending is because there's so many startups now that can probably even get to higher valuations or get to ship out better product. And not just that, not even startups. Here in this side of the world, there's so many legacy family-driven companies, conglomerates that are just embracing digital transformation that have shitty-ass data from mm-hmm. decades of operating that, you know, some guy, poor soul, or asking like, she's being asked the same thing and will probably take a month to answer. Or she's just going to fake it till we make it. So again, amazing job but you can't do this alone Ahmed after you then saw the Eureka moment and you saw that there's now traction how did you build the team around you and build more traction after that yeah so one of the benefits of building a team is when you have something that works and people are excited people come to you so we ended up going uh, I'm a very big fan of hiring friends like very very close friends so we ended up going back to a lot of people like who had always believed in us but like we were just not able to pay them or not able to support them Mm -hmm. And just bringing people on board. Nerd is a very unique company because we decided to not hire designers or what? like, so we have no designers and no product people. Like the two roles that we don't hire for now, we'll probably hire them later. But we end up <laughs> focusing on like, how do we create really a good experience by be, us being power users of our tool, yep. like leveraging design systems so people don't have to like innovate and in how to do things and mainly like building things through prototypes. So we built like a lot of our customers experience this thing where like, probably one out of every 10 features we build gets shipped to custom, all customers. Like most things get built in prototype, tested with customers, figure out if it's if it's just like a one-time very good feature. Like there's a lot of features in products that you're like, who uses this? But like one person used it, but now it's on everyone. So we have a whole like place in our product where you can unlock some, we can sh- give one prototype to every customer or we have like a, 60 or 70 prototypes available mm-hmm. that we have used for one-off tasks or for things. So we just ended up like really working on like saying, Let's iterate. And I think this mentality of like, we are going to figure out what the best thing the customer needs and we're willing to actually not try to run the race and just build more and let's build something quality. Uh, attracted a lot of good engineering talent and good engineering talent brings a lot of other good engineering talent. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had people come in from like leading different teams and sales. Like our VP of sales came because the company that he was working for was trying to white label narrator. And then he's like, wait, wait, narrator solves a real problem. Why am I selling this? product that we're going to use you to power when I can actually just you just go sell narrator. Correct. <laughs> and then he joined. So it's slowly, I think in the data space, when people see our product or see our potential, there is a couple people who are like, wow, that is really game changing. And, and it has to be, a, we look for a certain kind of person too, because we always sell them the dream, but you have to realize that we're trying to change a legacy of tools. Like the data industry is huge. Yep. 
and everyone is doing stuff like as to manage the data systems. Like if you if you want to set up like with the modern data stack, you get your warehouse, and you have like you have to have like your middle transformation layer, and you're paying money, and you're hiring engineers to go use it, and then you have your BI layer, and you're hiring engineers to put the code in there, and then you hire you you have the dictionary, and you're hiring more data engineers to, to explain expensive. to you what's in these tables, and then like. And there's like nine to like remember I told you we had a 45 person team like there's like you have like 10 to 20 tools and when you use narrator all that goes away yeah and you don't need all these like things because it's a simpler simpler data model simpler simpler approach and it does everything you need to do amazing. and I think that is well it's amazing but you're also going up against everyone right so when you're in a it's like yes you might have a better product than each one of them alone and you can probably you have a better product than all of them combined. But do you have a better marketing to compete against the marketing of every one of these companies? Because right. people don't buy products. They're buying marketing and the belief of what the product can do. Correct. So you're like, Amplitude is like, we can do this. And everyone is saying you can answer any question. And everyone is saying you can do all these things in data. And you're like, and, I, and I'm always like, have you tried it? Mm-hmm. Have you found a single person who can consolidate? Like, there's entire new jobs now called analytics engineers of people who just write SQL to make the tables. Like that is the, one of the fastest growing jobs today. We talked to companies that have 10 and 15 analytics engineers wow. doing just data prep. Now that data prep ends up putting like, we have uh, we have a customer when we worked with them, they started with, they were paying over $100,000 a month on their warehouse costs. Like just the warehouse. Me? Because, and there's a lot of reasons why you can look at our website, you can understand what we do. We got blogs. Uh, but things that get really expensive in data really fast. And there's a lot of tools and it's really messy. And there's a lot of people, you put more and more people. So I think that there's, when we were hiring people, we were like, this is what we're going up against. It's not an easy battle. Yep. And it definitely, like we can't get acquired. There's no exit in acquisition in narrator, like just FYI. There's no way we're going to get acquired. Like we only have two options to win the entire data market, like standardize and win the entire data market or die trying. Like that's the two options you have. Wow. And like, do you like, because like, yeah, like we are too different than any company to use us because like we reduce your warehouse cost by 90%. So like warehouse companies are like, we don't like you, like you are suck. <laughs> uh, we reduce your high, like, eight, like you don't need that many people using our, our tool. Like we, like often companies that use narrator don't ever need to hire data engineers. They don't need like another 20, 30 bodies of yep. people doing work. Um, so you're like, okay, well, we are data science are automatic and you're getting expert level data analysis. You don't need a data scientist. So like, okay. So like a lot of these tools that are depending on a lot of people doing a lot of things right. go away because at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to answer a question correctly and accurately. Right. And we, there, there's just so much like shit in between that, like you getting an answer yep. and like the world. And there's a lot of people. And we actually, even when we sell to customers, we really focus on customers who don't try to grow the data team. We want you to be like, we don't have resources. We're strapped. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. You're a good customer. Because we deal with customers who are like, why would I use you? Like, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm a head of data and I'm trying to get more, like, grow my team. Like, you guys are not going to help me grow my team. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you can do a lot more work and answer more questions, deliver more value. And they're like, yeah, but that doesn't help me, like, say I managed another 100 people so I can get my next job and promotion. Right. So I'm like, okay. So long story short here, like, so we end up selling that. And I think when you're this different in a space that, like, when our product looks like, kind of like, if you experience it, we get a lot of comments on, like, Customers are always saying like our first experience with magic. And then after we get how it works, we're like, why isn't everyone doing this? This is so simple. It makes so, so much sense. Like, and so you get people who believe that. And then you, you also 
cross on the fact that they believe in really building something that lasts bigger than us, bigger than yeah. anything. Like I don't, I think like like narrators is going to be the legacy, not me. And like you want people who want to create something and change the data world. You're going to get a bunch of really good people who are not like excited by shiny and like really understand their core. Right. And that's kind of how we slowly kind of got the team one at a time, adding and adding a person who believes in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's been really, really incredible. And just like you get loyal people and you get to do things. I think one of the things of being CEO that I really love, um, everything about being CEO sucks. Like 99% of being a CEO is the worst <laughs> job ever. Yeah. But um, the good things that you get to do, which I think is really cool, is that you get to really help uh, do define things that like that normally people don't think is standard. Like for example, us yeah. with no product people, I'm like, I'm like, no, no, why don't we just like iterate with our customers? Like, why do I need a product person to come up with a solution? Like engineers are really good at like they understand the problem. Let's how let's iterate with them. But also like we went with customer success. Like if you if you message our support team, you're only gonna get data people. You're gonna get people who are building your building analyses internally in narrator, yeah. doing data science work, and they're gonna respond to your tickets. And the reason why we do that is because we want you able to ask open-ended questions and stuff like that. Yeah. But we're not going to have someone who's like, oh, thank you for your issue. We're going to report it. You make engineers answer support tickets more. Uh, engineers or data people are answering support tickets. So when you submit a bug, people always tell us, like, the bug gets solved in a day. Like, that's it. It's just like, it's not like we're not going to manage the bug. We're going to solve it. So I think stuff like that I got to do as being CEO and build something different. And I think I really enjoy that. That is amazing. Now, all right. Well, before we let you go, I'm just again blown away your amazing journey, uh, and again I'm glad I got we're, we're using you because you're right. We we came at a time where again we knew we needed uh, help with our data. We can't afford to hire a fifth. Uh, we can't even afford a couple of data scientists or data engineers. But we were so perplexed of how we can move forward because we have so much data, and we're we've I I was not happy with the pace of how we were answering the type of questions I was very curious of that I felt was very basic. Like, shit, how can we move forward if these little questions can't even be asked, right? How do we understand the user and how do we really solve a problem of a normal podcaster if step one isn't even in the bag yet? So very massive things. But before I let you go, I want to understand uh, one thing about hiring friends because there's two sides of the spectrum here. The other mm-hmm. spectrum says don't hire friends, hire people that will eventually become your friends, and that's good. And then here you are in this other, other spectrum where I said hire friends because not all friends are created equal to you, right? It just so happens that you have to have competent friends. But what what's your take on this? Hiring friends to become part of your team. Yeah. So uh, I'm a big fan of hiring friends. I'm not saying hire someone who's not qualified okay. and your friend. I'm saying hire very qualified <laughs> people. Well, your friend. I think the benefit of hiring, like we, like our team is really senior because like we're getting like, I don't know how to say this, this is going to sound weird, but like we can hire incredibly senior talent for a lot cheaper because they believe in us and they believe in me and they are mm. friends and they have loyalty. First of all, you want to be able to communicate to people. Like I'm not a very good communicator. Like I think that like, if you heard in the beginning, like a lot of the ideas, I'm not actually really good at communicating a lot of this stuff, like the stuff I'm trying to create. Mm-hmm. But your friends really know how to work with you. They know where your downsides are. They know when your good sides are. They know where your good heart is. They're, they're not like, they don't feel like you're trying to like squeeze them for a buck. Like we're all in this together. Right. And I think that's the feeling you get. And like versus, and, and friends are also willing to call you out. Like our team is like, hey, Ahmed, you said this, but what the fuck? 
And I'm like, yeah, like that's the culture you want. Like you want, you right. want to be called out in public as a CEO. Like you have so much more power than anyone else. So like giving people power to call you out and doing these things is yeah. really important. So I think when you hire your friends, you just get this like a bunch of stuff get for free. You get really good talent for a lot lower price because they know that you would like there be there with them. They're very loyal to you and your team. So they're willing to work and put like more energy into it. They understand how you communicate and your tendencies. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I said something and they're going to like get offended. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to figure this out or this is confusing and this is vague. You have that benefit. They are um, also just like they, they care about the company because they care about you and they care about like what is created and they've been aware of the journey. So they are like, they feel like they've been part of something longer. It's not like they just came in and they won. They're like, oh, I've been friends with you for like years watching you build this. Mm-hmm. So I think that usually creates a really, really good dynamic and experience for um, a team, a small team. And yeah, and I think that like there, everyone has their own opinion. Everyone's going to push for like their best show, like goal. And I think that is the key here. So that's where we are always pushing forward. That is amazing. Thank you very much again, Ahmed, for such... An amazing episode. And again, we're, we're going to be talking to you a lot because again, you're, you're going to help us out and understand that um, our podcasters better. If we, if we know our podcasters better and our audience better, we create better shows and we make more intelligent and better content, especially in this region and all the podcasts that we support across the world. Again, thank you very much. But before I let you go, if they are sold, and they want to reach out to you and they have the same problem where we had. What's up next for Narrator? And um, where do they go and reach out to you if they want to try out? Yeah, so we're continuing to just focus on making the data analyst experience so good that they, that they can run the entire data team on their own and answer more questions. So whether it's, we're going to see a lot more templates coming out of Narrator um, and just a, a lot more tooling to enable them to even go faster and faster and faster and exploring the data. So that's got a lot of really fun features are coming out soon uh, to enable more of that work. If you're interested, check out our website, of course, like book a demo, see the experience, but also feel free to message me on LinkedIn. Like I'm Ahmed Ailes from DC. Ahmed and AI is my email. Mm-hmm. Like um, just feel free to reach out to me. And even if you're like, I don't know if I need your tool, I just have a data question, reach out. Like I'll talk to anyone and try to get them to like, see if I can help in any way and we'll make it happen. And that's kind of what we're here for. All right. Again, thanks, Ahmed. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast after listening to whether Spotify, Apple podcast or any type of podcast. And again, this episode was filled with jargon. You probably didn't understand. Don't worry. It's all going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of the community, please go join us on the Hustleshare community on Facebook. Again, Ahmed, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm really, it was right. really awesome just chatting with you. Appreciate it. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.